Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Blazing the Path, Grizz and Grind, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, and X's and O's NBA Breakdown, plus our coaching focus podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham, in here with me tonight, Amadou So Dan Galinsky. How you guys doing? Glad to have you back in here. What's up? Doing great, man. Doing great. Yep. Get up. Thanks for having us. No problem. We just got done watching The Road Back, Episode 3, about the draft. Basically just went into the whole draft night of getting Isaac Okoro. They went back, looked at some of you know the pre-draft stuff with him. They kind of went to one of his workouts. Obviously, they couldn't show the workout. But just kind of you know them meeting him in person for one of the first times, it seemed like. Again, obviously, they showed the draft itself. They kind of showed behind the scenes a little bit of what was going on there. And then just kind of went into the, you know, after he was drafted, you know, kind of his family celebration, the team's celebration. Um, Overall, another solid episode. You know, they have not been sticking to their every other week schedule of putting these up. I think it's been like three or four since we got the last one, but I guess that's all right. Um, Do you guys have any big thoughts, takeaways from this episode? Um, I just like, yeah, like you said, the behind the scenes that we were able to get. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, basically, yeah, yeah, it was overall a great episode. I liked it. Yeah, it was good to see um, just kind of their kind of reaction and um, that Orhoro seemed to generally um, genuinely be excited. I mean, you can take with it what you will, but um, yeah, it was just good to see. Uh, you can tell that um, it seemed Bickerstaff, uh, especially, was uh, pretty pumped about it. Yeah, I think all of them were really pretty pumped about it. Like you said, Okoro, especially you know, right after the draft, they were all excited to be you know drafted, obviously, but to be be where they're at. So, if you have a chance to watch it, it was about fifteen minutes, I believe. So, definitely recommend. Um, you should watch the other first two episodes as well. We'll have more. Coming out allegedly every other week. We'll see if that happens, but there will be another one out eventually. Um, Into some other news that we have going on here. The Cavaliers are playing to send the Canton Charge, the Cavaliers G League team, to play in the G League bubble. So that's what the G League is going to be doing this year. Didn't know exactly how that was going to go. Didn't know if we were going to have a G League season. What they're doing is having a basically a bubble in Atlanta for all the G League teams that choose to go. For teams who do choose to send their G League teams, I believe it's a $500 to $1,000 entry fee. Um, the Cavaliers, like I said, are planning to pay that fee and enter the charge into the bubble. So overall, I like the move. Um, I, there's nothing to dislike here. I think the Cavaliers, especially our team, that will get value out of this. Um, good for a guy like, you know, 
or, or guys, I guess, like Levi Randolph and Marquise Bolden and Charles Matthews, who probably aren't going to make the team. So, I mean, you know, those guys can now stick around with the organization and play some games with the charge in the bubble. Um, it'll be good for them to keep playing. It'll be good for the Cavaliers to keep being able to monitor and evaluate those guys. How are you feeling about this uh, G League bubble? Amadou, we can start with you. Yeah, like you said, I love it. Um, gives players who probably won't make the roster an opportunity to continue playing basketball and, uh, you know, just stay in shape for this season. You know, um, Charles Matthews, Moore Stevens is another one too. Uh, Dean Wade, maybe he goes down there. You know, uh, for those guys, it's great. Overall, I like it. You know, it shows the Cavs, you know, really care about these guys um, who, you know, are on the cusp or just won't make the roster. It's a great move, in my opinion. Dan, how you feeling about the G League bubble? Yeah, I, I mean, pretty much the Amadou hit on it. Um, yeah, it's good for those guys. Um, I, I'm sure it's invaluable for me. Um, kind of developmental perspective. Uh, we'll have to see as far as the, I guess, containment goes for um, uh, COVID-wise. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think for them it's it's probably – really valuable uh, just to be able to get in there. Well, that's one question I have about this whole thing is obviously, you know, we have two-way players who are going to be moving or, you know, in a normal year would be moving from the main club to the G League. You have guys like Adine Wade or in the past Ante Zizic or whoever else, you know, Dylan Windler had a G League assignment last year for a, a brief moment. You have guys moving up and down, you know, between the parent club and the G League club. I wonder, I'm not sure if we're going to be seeing that this year. Just the fact that, you know, you have to put them in a bubble in Atlanta. Do you think that we're going to see, I mean, I don't know if anything has been reported, but um, like the two-way guys, Matt Mooney and Lamar Stevens, are they going to be with the big club full-time, even if they aren't always active? Or do you see them going back and forth? Um, hmm. I would expect them probably, like you said, back and forth is pretty tough because you're going from a bubble and then you probably, when you leave the bubble, you have to quarantine and such like that. So they could potentially miss games if they are called up. Um, so, yeah, so probably not. I probably do expect them to just stay in one spot, you know, probably with the charge, I believe. Um, yeah, I, I just don't really expect much movement there considering, you know, everything that has to go into you going from the bubble to an NBA roster and such and such. Yeah, I just feel like the maintenance is more trouble than it's going to be worth yeah. this year to move guys up and down. So, like I said, you know, the two-way guys still only have a certain number of eligible days to be on the active roster. That number was increased this season, so we will see them more. But I still think that they're probably going to be with the main club most of the time. Um, and, and that can be kind of a difficult situation because, you know, that could leave the G League a little bit shorthanded. You know, those teams like the Canton Charge. Um, obviously, we've seen the bubble work in the past, but there's no guarantee that it'll work out. One other thing that I thought was interesting was the Wizards and Pelicans G League teams. I think the Erie Bayhawks are the Pelicans, and I know the Capital City Go-Go are the Wizards. They have discussed combining their G League teams to send a merged team to the bubble. So basically, like I said, just the Wizards G League and the Pelicans G League, I don't know if they're all going to be under the same roster. I don't know if they're going to cut some guys, but they're going to combine those two teams and send them as one. It'll be interesting to see if that happens and uh, if if more teams kind of follow that trend, especially if we don't have, you know, two-way guys down there. Dan, do you like that possibility? Do you like the idea of that or do you think it's not worth it? Yeah, I, I don't know if that's really that feasible just because you don't know um, just 
based on the, I guess, kind of spikes in certain states, like in Ohio, it's pretty, it's a key issue right now. I think Pennsylvania is close to having um, kind of like going into lockdown. So uh, it, it's, it's hard to say as far, I mean, it's in theory, it's, it's a decent idea, but I just don't know how plausible it is just based on how different states have different kind of um, spikes or if it's more controlled, that sort of thing. So it's just hard for me, um, just to me from a logistics standpoint with all the kind of protocol stuff going on with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in agreement there. But overall, happy that the Cavaliers are going to send their G League team. I get that, you know, in a year like this where money is a lot tighter with teams, that, you know, you don't always want to spend where you don't have to. But I think that, you know, this team in particular is proven by taking on, you know, say, Rajon Tucker's $340,000 to get a second-round pick. I think they've proven that they're willing to spend. They prove once again that they're willing to spend. You know, it's a low amount. It's $500,000 to a billion-dollar owner or whatever. But um, overall, just good to see that, you know, they are committing to still, you know, utilizing their G League team. So maybe we'll have some can charge content on here. Something big happens. We don't, we'll have to see. But um, looking ahead to this Saturday, the Cavaliers play their first preseason game against the Pacers at home. Cavaliers are still without Kevin Porter Jr. and JaVale McGee. Um, they've been inactive all of training camp. Not sure exactly why. It could be COVID-related. It could be something else. We're not sure when they'll be back. But um, especially when you look at McGee, that leaves plenty of minutes open and that backup center spot for guys like Thon Maker and Jonah Bolden to play. Dan, we'll start with you. Any Anything that you're looking out for in particular on this first preseason game? Any key matchups? Any key players to watch? Um, I don't know. I, I think Thon Maker is, is kind of the one um, that that kind of sticks out, um, and or Dylan Windler, just because, I mean, we know Windler outside of a couple appearances with the Chargers last year didn't play. Um, but I, I just, I, I'm intrigued to see what Maker does when he's in there. I, I think he'll, he can be a solid depth piece for the Cavs. I don't know. I mean, it'd be kind of a spot minutes guy. Um, it probably it wouldn't be an every night guy, but I, I just think it'd be, it, Interesting to see what he does um, in that spot, um, just because McGee reportedly isn't with the Cavs yet. Um, so I think Maker should be able to get, uh, I would think, a good run. Um, I would think there'd be a, a pretty long look at him. Um, just to s- maybe they throw him in there a little bit on Miles Turner, um, for example. Maybe they have him on there against Skoja Bad- Badzi. Um, that should be kind of a matchup I'm looking at. Amadou, any any key key things to look at here? Um, I'm excited to see what Darius Garland does, um, considering that, you know, if he plays, I'm pretty sure he'll be matched up against Malcolm Brogdon uh, offensively, at least defensively, they could go somewhere else. But, you know, Brogdon's a pretty good defender, so this would be a good test for Garland. And uh, we can see, you know, just how much he's grown during this offseason and everything. And uh, even when, you know, Brogdon goes to the bench, you know, if Garland is still playing, he will probably match up against like an Aaron Holiday as well, who's also a nice uh, guard to go against too. I'm just overall excited to see what Garland can do in this preseason game. Yeah, overall, that was one point that I had too. Is and, and you know it's a preseason game. It is the first preseason game, so we'll probably see the starters get a little bit more run. But we're not going to see a ton of the starters. We never do in these preseason exhibitions. But I am looking forward to the 
matchup of Brogdon and Brogdon and Oladipo, assuming that Oladipo does play in these exhibitions against Sexton and Garland. I just think that's again just a really good test for those two guys on both ends of the ball. They're both you know competent defenders and high level offensive players. So you know especially. Somebody that like an Oladipo that, you know, hopefully still has that explosiveness, you know, really looking to drive to the basket, you know, coming off the of screens, both of them coming off the of screens. I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, how both of these guys progress as far as making reads off of screens. Obviously, we know that, you know, Colin has reportedly bulked up a lot. We've seen him. He looks a lot bigger, you know, to fight through those screens. So that's going to be something that I'm looking forward to seeing is just how he makes those reads as far as switches, you know, can he fight through more screens? So this is going to be a good opening test to see, you know, where Collins at defensively looking forward to that. couple of predictions here. Um, not going to predict the final score because again, it's, it's a preseason game. We're going to see all the bench guys, no real way to predict what the score is going to be, but how many threes um, do are we going to see Dylan Windler make? I'll say, I'll say three. I'll say three. three? Threes. Yes. Dan, what are you at? I'm, I, I was with you. I'm with you, Amadou. I'm, I'm guessing yeah. three in this first game. I'll go guess three. Yeah, I'll say three. That seems reasonable. I think he's going to yeah. get a good run. What is Isaac Okoro's first big play going to be on an NBA court? Is it going to be a dunk? Is it going to be a block, steal, open three? Like, what's the, what's the first impactful thing that he's going to do? I'll say a steal. I'll say a steal. A steal on Malcolm Brogdon. I'll say a steal on Malcolm Brogdon. Steal on Malcolm Brogdon? Yes. I'm going to say someone's going to leave him wide open for three, and he's going to drill it. First shot he takes. Um, I'll say he gets kind of like a grab-and-go um, defensive rebound and takes it down and, and, and gets a like an and-one. I like it. Final one here. How many three-pointers will Andre Drummond attempt in this game? It's Andre. I'll say, I'll say four. Four. Four? Yes. I'm going to go with three on this one. Okay. Just because he's not going to play the whole game. Yeah. But true. I think he's going to come out yeah. firing yeah. to start. That's what I think, too. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's just going to – I'll say two. All right. All right. You know what? No. I'll just say one. One, three know. for Andre? I, yeah, I, I think that's – I think we'd probably see, like, one realistically game. Like one attempt, I think. Like once the season gets going, that's more likely to be it. But yeah, he's got yeah, his first preseason game here. I think he's going to test it out. I think that. Well, the mm-hmm. only reason I say that is just because he's for. I mean, he, he's given the Pacers fits for years. I think he's going to have like a a big half. I think he'll have like fourteen and a half or something, like thirteen, fourteen and a half, and and eat up Miles Turner. So like inside, I think that's what he'll end up doing. I do think yeah. that. Drummond is capable of pushing Turner around down there, so that is a good point. Maybe he does stick down low a little bit more than he might against other teams. Um, looking at this final game, guys, anything else you thinking about it that you want to say before we move on here? We good? Yeah, yeah, we're good. I'm, I am intrigued to see Dotson, though. I think he's a guy that. Uh, and we'll, I mean, we'd have to see his looking at the minute share. I, I don't know exactly there, but I think he's a really nice kind of just depth piece to have. I think he'll, I think he could fill it up a little bit, maybe get like six quick points at some point. I think um, 
kind of similar to Windler, like an off movement guy. He'll be, I think he'll be fun to watch. It is another good, a good point Windler or not Windler with, with Dotson is this is going to be a really, really good chance to, you know, get some extended run and watch him play a lot. Again, that's somebody who we mentioned last podcast talking about rotations, someone who might be on the outside looking in to start. We'll have to see. He'll probably get an opportunity, but he's definitely going to get an opportunity here. So we'll see exactly what we have in Dotson. Um, like you said, I think he's just someone who's really just going to be a seamless fit, you know, when he is on the floor. Can he find those minutes? That's to be determined. But, yeah, another guy who, yeah, he can get you a quick 6-7, you know, off of just – I mean, he said he moves so well off ball, he's going to get, you know, some cuts. Again, it's early. You know, defenses aren't necessarily all the way set. You know, someone might make a wrong read. So we can definitely see that. And then hit a couple open threes. So, Dotson is definitely another player to watch. There's a lot of players to watch on this Cavs team. Um, you know, again, not having KPJ is going to be kind of a bummer. But Garland, Sexton, Okoro, Windler, Dotson, whoever else, Thon Maker. How's Jetty going to look? Is Jetty going to be rusty? Mm, I don't. I don't think so. No. It just depends, you know, what his role would be, too. I feel like it would be similar to last year. Yeah, I, I think he's going to have some rust. I mean, he wasn't – he's been in Turkey this entire time, um, reportedly. Just has done one oh stuff. So, I, I can have – I mean, I can give him some leeway here. I think he's going to be pretty rusty, yeah. I, I definitely think he's someone who – it'll probably take a little bit of time for him to get going. But overall, I believe the game is at 7 o'clock Eastern Time, Saturday night. So, it is within reach. Cavaliers basketball is within reach. So, looking forward to it. We'll move on here on to another topic. ESPN's Top 100 is mostly out. I don't think that they have released their Top 10 yet, but they've gone 100 through 11, I believe. One Cavalier in the Top 100, Kevin Love at 64. No Sexton or Drummond on this list. Um, it, I, I was a little bit. I'm not. I, I wasn't surprised that Sexton wasn't here. Um, I think you can make a, a very real case for it, but generally, you know, people outside of Cleveland don't have a super high opinion of Sexton. At least not yet. I was a little bit surprised to see that Drummond didn't top crack the top 100. Um, Amadou, how are you feeling on this? Do you think either of them should have made it? Do you think Love should have been higher? Do you think he should have been lower? Um, I do agree with you that I'm not surprised that Sexton didn't make it, make it excuse me, but I feel like he definitely should have. I mean, you talk about a guy who's a basically a 21-point-per-game scorer on great efficiency. Now, you can talk about the team that he's on, his defense, all this, but there's obvious context that goes into it. For Drummond, I mean, is he a top 100 player? That's to be debated. I, sure, we could say that Drummond probably deserves to be in there too because, you know, he is still a, what, a 14 and 14 guy. He's a 14 and 14 guy. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I'll go those two. I feel like Sexton definitely deserved to. Drummond, I'm not, you know, I'm not really going crazy about it, but Sexton, that, that, that once, yeah, like it didn't surprise me, but I feel like he definitely deserved to be on there. Dan, you got any takes here? Um, I, I mean, I'm higher on Sexton as, as than they probably are than, but um, yeah, Drummond is the one I would think just based on the production and um, I, I'm not a this uh, we're not really big Drummond guys it, it seems like but uh, 
the production does it has been notable. Um, I mean, you, you know what he provides. Um, and just looking at the other stuff on the list, there was some stuff that was just, ugh. and yeah. Um, yeah, I, I again, I, I am more high on Sexton personally, but it, at least for Drummond, that was the one that was pretty pretty surprising, just because he's. Um, the numbers uh, have been pretty consistent, and that's just that—that that was the one that seemed uh, pretty notable. Well, you talk about you know just some of the other things on this list. I thought Kevin Love was ranked fairly. Um, Sixty-four is kind of his range at this point. He didn't do anything to prove that he should be higher last season. Um, you know, we've seen other top one hundred lists come out this off season from you know whoever. I've seen him a lot lower than that, so I thought that sixty-four was a, a very fair ranking for him. Tyler Hero of the Miami Heat at 59. I understand that it's it's ESPN and ESPN likes you know likes the big character guys, you know, Tyler Hero's a confident player. He played on a team that was an underdog that made the finals, but good lord, Tyler Hero at 59. Are we sure that Tyler Hero is better than Colin Sexton? No. I'm no. We're not. Uh, I don't know. Hero's pretty damn good and he is. i mean I, I like sexton don't get me wrong i'm a big fan of him um love the tenacity i love the progression he showed as a scorer um and, and honestly i thought there was some as a passer but heroes a much i mean he's got probably as good of a handle shoots off movement consistently um i mean defensively he's not great but better than Colin and he can play make better, honestly, far better. And he's, I mean, a legit three level scorer has just as good of a floater game is, I mean, honestly has more size as we know. Um, but I mean, really good in the open floor too. kind of underrated part of his game as a shooter. Um, yeah, I, I would put him over there, but at that spot now, like is, is he higher than Kevin Love? Come on. Well, I, I made a list. We'll get to that in a minute. But Amadou, what is what is your take here? How do you? I mean, do you, do you think that you'd put Colin ahead of Tyler? Would 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 Tyler here have the same success? Maybe not not success because the same production on this Cavs team than he didn't than he had uh, with the Heat. I mean, you talk about a player who played with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and the Heat had great veterans on that team like Iguodala. You had Jay Crowder there for half a season. You know, Kendrick Nunn, another rookie who came in and played well. You know, he had a lot of players around him where his supporting cast was great. You know, of course, they made the finals. Like, I don't I don't know. I feel like that factors into it. So I, that's why I don't want to say that he's better than Sexton because I feel like right now Sexton's a better scorer. Defense, I mean, again, Hero is, you know, for what he is right now, you could say he's a decent defender. But again, that goes back to the point where, you know, his teammates are Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. You know, to Bam at least had defensive player of the year potential. Uh, you know, Jimmy is still a great defender himself. Iggy, Jay Crowder. You know, they had a ton of great uh, defenders on their team. The Cavs had Darius Garland and Kevin Love. And, you know, after half the season, Andre Drummond, who, you know, he could be seen as maybe a great run protector. But at the same time, you know, he's more of like a, in the Hassan Whiteside type of mode where he chases those blocks and such. So that's why I'm, I'm really hesitant to say that you know, Tyler Hero would be better because 
Tyler Hero was in essentially a perfect situation for himself while Colin Sexton just wasn't. I, I completely agree with that. And if I were to be making a list, I don't I don't know. I, I kind of go back and forth on it. I might put Tyler Hero an inch above Colin Sexton. But good Lord, is Tyler Hero, is he the most overrated player in the league at this point? In my eyes, he very well might be. I, I, I get the shooting. I get the off-movement shooting. But he was in literally a perfect situation. You know, I get the confidence things and that people like him because of that. And he had the snarl in the finals and whatever. But, like, he's – yes, he's a better defender than Colin Sexton. He's not a good one. He's a better playmaker than Colin Sexton. He's still not – I mean, he, he he's adequate in that area. And he's probably a better shooter. He has an okay handle. I put that, you know, kind of in the same tier as Sexton. Overall scoring, I'll take Sexton. Like, again, I, he might still inch him out. Tyler Hero might inch out Colin Sexton. But on ESPN's list, Tyler Hero is above of Kevin Love, Blake Griffin, D'Angelo Russell, Stephen Adams, Mike Conley, Bojan, Aaron Gordon, Josh Richardson, DeMar DeRozan, John Wall, John Collins, Buddy Heald, LaMarcus Aldridge, Otto Porter, TJ Warren, Robert Covington, like a ton of guys that I think are obviously better than him. And I think that like, I think that Tyler Heroes probably has a high ceiling. He probably does. And yeah. I, I guess you're factoring that into it a little bit, but if you're just talking about who the player is right now, I think that that is absolutely absurd. Yeah, like to me, I think, to me, it, the, yeah, you're right. It was a perfect situation, ideal, um, whatever you want to call it. But like, I, I think like a guy that I kind of put in like the same potential, maybe like archetype is like Kevin Herter, who wasn't, I mean, he's in a pretty good situation playing with Trey Young, but I mean, they were, they're a young team as well. I mean, they, they kind of reloaded this offseason, um, kind of maybe look to progress in a rebuild, but um, I think like it, that's like heroes, like absolute floor elsewhere. And I, I think he's way better um, playmaking type. I mean, I, I like her probably more than anybody. I was a huge fan of his um, coming out, but I, I think, I mean, heroes got a lot of ability and, Frankly, he would have had way more numbers in college had he not gone to Kentucky. Like, if he went to Wisconsin like he initially committed to, he would have had 25 a game. Like, he's he's that well-rounded of a scorer already. And I'm not saying he does that in the NBA, but I kind of look at it in the opposite way. Like, if he did go to Cleveland, I think he honestly would have had, like, 18 a game last season. And he's, again, like... But the problem with ESPN, I mean, yeah, like you can't be prisoners of the moment that much. Like he's he's not in that level yet. But I like I would have probably like I don't know. Would you would you rank him over Colin right now? To me, I would. But yeah, obviously, like you, you take it all with a grain of salt. And here's the thing: Tyler Hero very well could have put up 18 a game this year with the Cavs on a bad team. And he wouldn't be on this list. He would not be on this list. But because he was on the Miami Heat, who was an underdog story, and he has a flashy personality, and he snarled in the finals, he is now at number 59 on ESPN's Top 100 Players. 
Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Another one that I just kind of want to talk about real quick is um it, it, we talked a little bit about Andre Drummond. I just kind of want to hear some of your opinions on a couple of centers that were ahead of Andre. And like like we said, you know, we're we've never been the biggest Andre fans on this podcast, but this 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 ranking, this top 100 has Mitchell Robinson, Jarrett Allen, and Marc Gasol ahead of Andre Drummond as of right now. Jarrett Allen who is benched behind DeAndre Jordan Mark Gasol, who is how old now? 36? And, you know, noticeably regressed in the playoffs. And Mitchell Robinson, who I have no clue what he's going to be, reports that he hasn't worked as hard as, you know, the Knicks have liked him to in the offseason. Fouls, you know, I, I don't even know what his per 36 fouls are, but it's through the roof. Um, I think he's a good player. He's a good value pick for them in the second round. But, like, I don't I don't know if he's better than Andre Drummond. I feel like in that type of situation, you know, talking about those specific players, I feel like it's all about I don't know. I feel like so if you're the Cavaliers, correct, you could have either Andre or Mitchell. I'd assume you probably take Mitchell, correct? I probably take Mitchell because Mitchell yeah. is younger. Well yeah. Yeah. But, you know, based on those two, yeah, the better player right now. Is Andre Drummond just because, you know, of course, Mitchell does have that foul trouble. And his Knicks career, I mean, he hasn't he, – he's shown – obviously, he's shown that, you know, he is a, a capable, you know, a nice center. But he hasn't really – I don't know if I'm confusing right here, but he hasn't really shown maybe as much as people would have wanted him to. I mean, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, is Mitchell Robinson ever going to be more than just a fine starting center? Yeah. Yeah. Which that's is a, a good thing exactly. to be in the NBA. Like, he was picked in the second round. Like, that's mm-hmm. fine. But mm-hmm. is he ever going to be more than that? Is he that right now? Yeah. I think he could potentially be more than that, but it's it would help to be in a situation with more spacing and shooting on, around the floor, which is why I come back to, I don't know why, the Knicks just let, like, didn't match or give uh, Dotson a QL. Like, yeah. I mean, they ended up getting... Uh, the Kentucky kid, I, I, the name's blanking me right now. Um, I mean, they brought back Bullock. They got Burks. Yeah. Um, Emmanuel quickly. That's who it was. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they need. Uh, I don't know. They they just don't have. Uh, I mean, I guess like Alfred Payton, okay, but they just he's just not in a situation where offensively, like. It's it's just not great for him, but if he were in a situation or they were able to get more shooting or kind of like shot creators around him consistently, 
Like, I think he's got a high ceiling, but I don't know. Like, I think he's shown some switchability defensively, and I don't know. Like, with his athleticism, like, I'm not going to say, like, Rudy Gobert good, but if he can clean up the foul troubles, which I think in some ways, like, if guys get more minutes, they can kind of learn to kind of limit that a little bit and play with more verticality instead of chasing things. Like, I, I think he could maybe one day be an all-star guy, but I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how much offensively they're going to allow him to show to progress. But, I mean, he's, he's going to have to take strides. But I, I don't think that's, like, completely out of the question. But, yeah, obviously, like, right now, I, in a vacuum, I'm taking Drummond, but... Going forward, yeah, I'd way rather have Robinson just because he's just far more athletic. I agree with that. I, I, I make the same kind of case for Jared Allen as someone who I would probably rather have moving forward, but I just don't think right now. I'm oh, not, I'd rather have Jared Allen for sure. You'd rather right. have Jared Allen right now as a player, just like well, the impacting Cavs, the game. Well, for the well, Cavs, yeah, I'd rather have. The, I'd rather have Jared Allen. Yes, but I'm saying who is like as right now who is the better player. I think it's Allen just because he can actually shoot. He I can think. Like kind of shoot. I don't know if he can really shoot. Uh, he can shoot out of the short roll, too. Like, like Drummond is, I mean, he's he's a force inside. I'm not knocking that. And he's a lob threat, that sort of thing, whatever, yada, yada. But, I, like, he legitimately is not a threat to shoot outside eight feet. Like, no, he's zero. not. <laughs> like, that's why it's, yeah, it, it's... I don't know. I, I would take Allen. A lot of people probably wouldn't, but I would. Well, ESPN would, so you have somebody on your side. And, yeah, um, well, clearly they're yeah they're they're in a different planet though overall. <laughs> Another one that I didn't really get was KCP Kevin Kentavious Caldwell Pope being at seventy seven on this list. We won't spend too much time on this. It's just another one of those things. He shows up in the finals. And therefore, he is the seventy seventh better best player in the league. Wasn't Joe Harris at one hundred? Um, Would you not rather have Joe Harris than Kentavious Caldwell oh yeah. Pope? Oh yeah, yes. Who is ranked thirty three spots lower? Yeah, like I don't know. It's were, were there any? I don't know if you guys got a chance to really look over the list too too deep or too in detail. But any, anything else from either of you as far as this guys that stood out? They had Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball, yes. Ranked, what, 54th? Yeah. What? He was ranked over <laughs> Zach Levine, D'Angelo yeah, I can't Russell. Believe, like, him on the list, period. Like, I like Lonzo a lot, but if you're not going to put Drummond in there, like... Yeah, Lonzo, yeah. He's, he's great, but at the same time, you got two near all-star players below him. Well, D'Angelo Russell wasn't all-star. Zach Levine, below him, that's... <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I just don't understand that. It's I don't I don't get any of this unless they think that Lonzo is going to win Most Improved Player this year. I I don't know I don't I don't get this list. I like I, I like Lonzo. I think he's fine. He probably belongs on the top one hundred. Yeah, I'd say he belongs on the list, but fifty four. I, I would put him in the eighties or nineties probably. Yeah. I'd have to yeah in the nineties is fair because he he impacts the game in a lot of ways. Yeah, but. Just can't shoot, but that goes without saying. 
Well, I mean, he had, he progressed there even, you know. I mean, he, he reworked his shot. It's not Well, he's, it he's not like a Drummond-level shooter, but for no, a guard no. shooter, it's pretty much equivalent to that. It was bad in the bubble, but he's getting there. He's, he's making progress. Again, if ESPN thinks he's going to win most improved player, which maybe they do, then, you know, maybe they'll come back and laugh at us. But, oh, boy. We'll, we'll, we'll move off of this list. I'm kind of tired of talking about it. Um, John Hollinger over at The Athletic wrote an article, just kind of an off-season preview for the Cavs. Um, read it if you want. You know, solid solid just kind of overall, you know, review of the team. No, no real new information. But he did give a projected final record for the Cavaliers of 22-50. and 50. Uh, I, I think... When we originally, you know, gave, I think it was on like that 10 Bold Takes podcast that we did a little while ago, um, we, we kind of had the Cavaliers ranked, or not ranked, but at a win total of like anywhere from like 27, 28 to 32 wins, I think. And that was in the event of, I believe, an 82 game season at that point. So how you, where do you guys think the Cavaliers will finish? I think he had them 12th in the East. Do you agree with this? Do you think it'll be lower? Um, honestly, I thought that, you know, Overall, John Hollinger is someone who's never really that optimistic on the Cavs. I thought that this was kind of a generous rating. Hmm. I mean, of course, all of it depends on what the Cavs do. If they're, you know, trading players left and right, like Andre Drummond, if he's leaving, if JaVale McGee gets traded, I could see that there's a lot of, you know, change internally. I'd probably say, like, between early to mid-20s myself. But one thing that I was looking at, he said 22 and 50 as the 12th seed. That's kind of interesting to me because I feel like, I mean, looking at the Eastern Conference, the only two teams, in my opinion, that I feel like will probably be worse than the Cavs is probably the Pistons and the Knicks. I don't know what other yeah. team he has lower than us. Maybe the Hornets, Maybe I believe. the Bulls. The Bulls. But then again, I, I don't know. I think those teams will, both those teams will make, you know, some decent, I want to say, jumps. Yeah, overall, and that's... Yeah. Yeah, that's why I kind of thought this was kind of generous. I don't yeah. see, you know, the, the the Hornets or the Bulls being as a team that finished below the Cavs. Yeah, where where are you at on this, Dan? Maybe he doesn't like the Magic. I don't know. I'd have to look. Mm, but where are you at on this, Dan? Yeah, I was thinking maybe the Magic, just because uh, I think Isaac's still hurt. Yes, he's and, out the whole season. Yeah, so I mean that's a key loss, and I mean I'm not I'm not wishing it, like it on him, but. Maybe Fultz, like there's a flare up there that that could be maybe what he was thinking, but I I don't know. I mean, I, I think the Bulls will be better, but the Bulls and the Hornets are the Bulls and the Hornets. We never really know exactly like what'll happen. Um, at least with Chicago, like Lowry Markkinen, can he stay healthy? Do they, do they end up looking to move him? Do they look to move Wendell Carter? I, I don't know, but um, I, I think twelfth in the East is. It's not, like, unrealistic. I think that's probably where I would put them. I think there's some way they can kind of finagle into that range. But, yeah, I, as you said, I mean, Hollinger, when it comes to the Cavs, thinks that, like, a local YMCA team is better. So, that that's pretty good from his pers- – I mean, like, the way he is. So, but I, I don't remember exactly what he said, but I think he said that, like, Colin Sexton – I like basically like couldn't find a pass if it hit him in the face or something, but I, I along I, those lines. 
I was just, yeah, it was along those lines, something along that. I don't know. The yeah, exact I mean, story. I don't know. Like, I get that he thinks like Sexton is like just like a garbage scoring type. It's like, dude, like you can just tell he doesn't actually watch the Cavs. Like that. That's what it, the takeaway is for me. And it's pretty much like, who are they going to trade? What are they? When are they going to trade? It's it's the same old Hollinger bullshit. So, I mean, that's fine. I get it, but Sexton, it's unless you actually watched game to game, it, the progression was there. Like, it was real. And that was the takeaway was, yeah, we need Sexton to progress in other areas, but, I mean, they're, they have, like, some players. It's not like there's... He gave Larry Nance, like, a, a nice, uh, I guess, preview, though. That was good to see. He did. He is high on Larry Nance. He but also, I don't understand, like, the affinity worth trading Larry Nance. Like, yeah, I was going to say, he also because desperately he wants to yeah. ship Kevin Love out for, like, a, a meatball sub. So, I mean, you have to have Nance, you would think. Yeah. I also kind of find it funny that just you, you talk about Hollinger not watching the Cavaliers. Um, he put in his article as the projected starting five. Yeah. Sexton, KPJ, yeah. Okoro, Okoro, Love, and Drummond. Yeah, I guess that's that's probably their best five players, but that's not who they're going to be starting. I can I can promise well, you that. It contradicts the fact that he says that the more they have Sexton on the ball, the the more basically that they're like it's their own detriment. So why would you have him as the starting one? If is what I'm getting at. Yeah, uh, again, it's just look at their five best players, and that's that. <sighs> But anyway, so Amadou, you had mid twenties as a win fight or as a win prediction. Dan, where are you at? Are you kind of in this twenty two range? Do you think it'll be higher? I'll say I think before I said twenty six. I think that's that's I'm probably drinking the Kool Aid on that. But I, I think twenty four to twenty six is like reasonable. I think we'll see jumps from them. Um, I don't know. Apparently, Sam Amico has heard that. Uh, there's some like execs or GMs or something around the league thinks think Drummond could be traded before the opening night. I don't see that. I mean, it's I'm not discounting Nico, but I just I don't see it. So I, I think he'll be around a good bit. Which doesn't impact winning. We'll see. But I I don't know. I just think Bickerstaff's competence compared to the coaching situation they've had. For a while now, I think that'll really pay off. I think the defense, at least game to game, I, I think they'll figure that out more. I think just he'll manipulate lineups more, and that's what I. That's just my opinion. One last thing I want to get into before we get out of here is LeBron talking a little bit about just just general stuff. You know, as of late, one thing that he kind of talked about is that he believes that he has won the two most difficult finals to win in NBA history, the past two finals that he's won, that being the 2016 NBA finals in in Golden State where they beat, you know, the 3-1 lead. We, we know all that. Sorry, I got, I got distracted there for a second. But, um, and the second being the 2020 NBA finals in the bubble. I can't really make a case for anything being harder than the bubble. Obviously, the Lakers didn't have the most difficult path in the world to get there. But all the off-the-court stuff, obviously, you know, you, you can't make a claim against, you know, just how difficult that was for each individual guy or if it helped certain teams or whatever. But I don't really think it's fair to judge there. But kind of putting that one to the side, 
Do you guys think that the 2016 NBA Finals with the Cavaliers coming back from a 3-1 lead, do you guys see that as the most difficult Finals win of all time? Well, my thing is, what do you consider difficult? Because, of course, you know, they came back 3-1, but I don't, I don't want to say the Cavs didn't have their fair share of help, too. You know, you had Iggy. He was hurt. You know, he had, like, a back problem, I think. I think Bogut was hurt for some games. Of course, you had the Draymond suspension. Curry was himself. Um, but at the same time, the Cavaliers had some some problems, too. You know, Kevin Love, he wasn't himself. I think, I don't know, like, if Kevin Love, I know he had, a, I think he had a concussion one of those games. I believe so. Out. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that lingered on. You know, throughout the entire finals, he was pretty banged up. And I mean, to he come was back by the end. Yeah. Yeah. But to come anyway, to come back down 3 1 against a 73 win team, even though, you know, I just said, of course, you know, the Warriors had all these players, you know, injured and stuff or, you know, just out because of suspension, they won 73 games. So obviously, you know, they always find a way to win. And that just wasn't the case. And even though Curry might have not been himself, he was good enough to play and he didn't play well at all. But, you know, to come back down 3-1, that is a difficult task. I don't know if that's one of the most difficult. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I mean, hmm. Well, I think the other two to look at are, you know, the 2011 Mavericks who beat that Heat team. Again, LeBron kind of crapped his pants in that series. So you can take that with a grain of salt as well, kind of the same way you can with this. I think 1995 is another one where the Rockets the won Rockets, it all with Akeem. Yeah. Um, you know, he had to, you know, beat Shaq and he beat the Spurs and Barkley on the Suns. And I think, did they beat the Jazz that year too? Did they play the Carl Malone, Stockton Jazz? Yeah, I think it was the Spurs, uh, Jazz, and the Suns. Yeah, I believe the so. Magic in the I could be wrong, so, but pretty sure. I mean, obviously, that's that's not an era of basketball that I watch. But if you just kind of look at, you know, historical teams, that's that was a team that had a very impressive run all throughout. Obviously, Michael Jordan wasn't in the league. But... I don't know. I think, you know, as far as just finals that I have seen personally, I'll, I'll put the, the, the 2016 yeah. title as the most difficult. You're up, yeah. you know, you're, you're down 3-1 and you have to win three straight against one of the best teams all time of all time. The best record of all time. I, I would I would go there. Yeah. Dan, yeah. where are you at with all this? Uh, yeah, I, it's it's hard to say. I mean, I, I love LeBron. It, like, don't get me wrong, but I I don't know. I mean, this is a little bit a little bit much. I I don't like honestly. You just have to look back through context. I, I don't know really. It's but I, yeah, like it was a seventy three win team. We get it. I, I, it was great up there. Um, but yeah, like the Warriors were banged up. Um, and I don't know. It, it's just hard given that the league's been around for so long. It's, I don't know. It's yeah. hard for me to say that, but I don't know. Like the Knicks, I, I think it was 70 or 71 had a notable one. Uh, shit. Um, but I don't know. Like this past one. I mean, I give him credit dealing with, with all the COVID stuff, um, being around with, at least off the floor, there was a lot of stuff going on. Um, the social justice stuff. Uh, just, I mean, we we know the 2020 stuff, all that's transpired. Um, it's been a hard year for everybody. So I, I, I get what he's saying in that regard, but 
I mean, come on. Like, you beat the Heat. Let's let's put this into context. Or the Heat, when, like, I don't know, when everything's essentially like a neutral site, that you got to weigh that into things. Like, it, home court stuff matters. And I get that they didn't have it, but n- nor did other teams. So, I think that matters a little bit. I mean, come on. Like, are the Heat next year, do we really think that they're going to the finals? I, I just, I don't see it. I think that was kind of fluky, to be honest. If Tyler Hero was the 59th best player in the NBA, I think they could go back to the finals. And Goran Dragic is the 58th best player, by the way. So, I don't know. I feel like the Heat definitely did benefit <laughs> from having that bubble or playing in the bubble where, you know, no fans are such and such. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, what you said, Justin, yeah. For finals that I have watched personally, I'd agree that, you know, 16 was one of the most difficult ones to win. It's it's up there. I'm not going to yeah. deny that, but I, it's just LeBron is is a little bit. I mean, he kind of hoots his own horn to say the least. So, oh, he does. He for sure. I mean, does. all all stars I mean, do, but you know, like this. I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, LeBron. That's he always. I mean, he posts his own highlights on Instagram after games. I mean, he's definitely it's, not afraid to to you know acknowledge his own accomplishments, which is a bad thing. He's frankly gone Hollywood. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like, he is definitely gone Hollywood now. So, I mean, that's fine. I, I love him. I, I'm so grateful for all he did for Cleveland. But, like, like he's, he's up on the gas a little bit, dude. Either of you have anything else to, to get off your chest before we get out of here? Is, what do you guys uh, – is, is Delhi going to play in preseason? Like, a good chunk? I, I don't even really know. On that, it's hard to say. I I think he should. I mean, I don't know if, if you know he wants to play a ton of minutes, but we'll def- we should see him. I don't see but, any reason why we wouldn't. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't really see why we wouldn't as well. I mean, maybe unless he just doesn't want to. I mean, I think it's going to be important. You know, spe- again, guys who didn't go to the bubble, it's going to be important to kind of get back up to speed yeah, for everyone. That's so. kind of just like what I was kind of getting at. I guess I don't know, but. Yeah, I guess Dante Exum, maybe we see like a 28-point game from him against Indy. So Maybe. I'm calling it now. Dante Exum, in one of these four preseason games, is going to drop 40 points. And yes, he is going to do that in limited minutes because nobody plays big minutes in the preseason. So there's my, my hot take for the podcast. Dante fighting for the extension. All right. Yeah, we're doing it. All right. Thank you, everybody out there, so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed listening, go listen to another episode. Subscribe so that you don't miss a future episode. Uh, rate, review, all that stuff. Dan, Amadou, thank you guys, as always, for hopping on here. Always a pleasure. We will talk to you next time. We will see you guys next time. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.